2: Hi, welcome to Live, Love, Thrive, Women's Empowerment Hour, brought to you by 360karma.com. Well, today we have on the show straight from from Washington State, uh, Eileen Durfee. She is the founder of Go Healthy Next. And then later in the show, we're going to be talking with Harvard graduate and the founder of N-Test Pro, Mandy Stern. First up, please welcome Eileen Durfee. Well,
0: thanks for Hi. having me.
2: Hi, Eileen. How are you? I'm
0: doing good. Good. Loving the sunshine. I bet.
2: I bet. But... Uh, Not too shabby, Washington State. That's pretty beautiful there, right? It is. It is.
0: I live in the desert where it's usually warmer. But we had a lot of snow, a lot of rain. Yeah. (laughs) So sunshine is awesome. Nice, nice.
2: Well, we ordered it up just for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, you grew up in Washington State, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's where I think from. I've been there once. It, it really is beautiful. Was it a cool place to grow up?
0: It was. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I know uh, one of the things that you you know got you in the work that you're doing now is you were explaining to me, first of all, you grew up in a beautiful place, but not too far from there was a city that was very toxic. Yes?
0: Yeah. The Hanford Reservation where they had the Manhattan Project. There's a lot of contamination there. It's actually known as the most contaminated place in the western hemisphere of the whole world. Wow. And that's in Washington State. Yes. Who knew?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you grew up right near there and you think that might have been the beginnings of it being uh, toxic things in the environment that were
0: affecting your health. Well, I think more for my mother and Uh. then the children that were born. I mean, Mm -hmm. they released radiation and killed everybody's thyroid. There's people with Mm -hmm. more thyroid issues in that area than almost anywhere else. Yeah. It's hard to believe, as smart as we are, that in our country,
2: our progressive, as we think of it, our progressive country, that things like this could happen. But, you know, it's just like the, the water in Michigan or Flint, Michigan and things like that. It's hard to believe that we can't you know, foresee problems like that that would affect people's health so immensely. Um, but I know your whole life now is geared toward helping people realize um, how toxicities in our environment are affecting our health and how we deal with that. And uh, I want to talk about your entire journey to where you are today with that. So let's start with... Um, Your dad owned a motorcycle shop, right? (laughs) and so you got kind of uh, interested in that and hands-on. So, you know, uh, not many women would be into, you know, uh, fixing motorcycles, riding motorcycles, and that type of thing. But you you learned and got that from your dad, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I, bet that was fun.
0: It was. You know, that's what we had. We didn't have trendy clothes. We always had a new motorcycle, you know. Yeah and I didn't have any brothers, and my dad's really mechanical, he's a machinist. You were the and son and daughter. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> hey, that can be fun. Um, and so, with that uh, knowledge, and, and uh, having learned that uh, this type of thing from him, you then took that to, you were instrumental in helping uh, build out a, a nuclear power plant, right? And, well, which is very unusual for a woman.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I was in quality assurance quality control engineering, everything from auditing to statistical analysis and so, you know, I see blueprints in my mind and mm-hmm. you know, very detail oriented. And so while they were building all these nuclear power plants, you know, in the in the 80s, I was job shopping around from nuclear power plant to nuclear power wow. plant and detail oriented. Does that mean you're a Virgo? You're a Virgo? Taurus. Ah, Taurus. Okay. <laughs> But I was sick. You know, I, I developed multiple allergies. I mean, I had to rotate the foods. That so I that was ate. back
2: then when you were working in that arena. And then I know after working on the nuclear power plant, you also went into another male dominated field, which, 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 you know, which, <laughs> which fields aren't male dominated, but, <laughs> but really male dominated was, was uh, real estate because you were, you were uh, building homes and, and uh, Yeah, land development,
0: yeah. subdividing land, yeah. building homes. I got into actually self-taught AutoCAD, you know, so I'd pick out all the materials. And I, at one time, was a licensed realtor and work right. with, you know, clients to, to customize their homes. And, right. Uh, and also, too, along those lines, working in those
2: industries, you were telling me it was tough as a woman uh, that there was you know sexual harassment and and you even said you had you know people in that industry that were women had threats like I don't know you told me some story about they were going to blow up somebody's well, car or something you know back before so,
0: they sounds crazy but back before they this was in the 80s
2: right yeah in the 80s yeah. back
0: before they mothballed all these construction plants part of the corruption was day shift would put something in and night shift would rip it out and and it was to make more money because it was cost plus a certain percentage and if you were an inspector and there was something wrong and they wanted to push it through or whatever you know there were literally people that their cars were blown up they were threatened not to you know fail something and right. and there was mainly just men super sexual harassment where they're slapping you and you know all this kind of stuff you know and you're trying and you know and the supervisors didn't do anything about it but that mm-hmm. was back then I that mean, was then
2: that, i mean laws have been passed now <laughs> i mean back
0: then i don't even think you could sue for su- sexual
2: harassment the,
0: you know it yeah. was just you just had to be tough and you yeah. had to stand your ground and you know, survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you had to have been a tough
2: cookie to be in those industries, for sure. But the bottom line is, is uh, after working in those industries, you moved into this invention industry to create products that help people uh, determine um, how to get toxicities out of the, their environment, that they're breathing or drinking or whatever, right? Right, right. But uh, first, the first thing you did was you thought uh, it was like food allergies, right? So, uh, I know you had told me you had everything from psoriasis to uh, allergies and and a, a, a lot of different
0: um, ailments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, found out More about... More than your the, share. Yeah. I found out about the yeast connection, and then I thought, you know, candida was a cause for all my illness. So, you know, of course, you do the diet, you do the antifungals, you do mm-hmm. all these things. But, you know, you're like did that slave. help? Well it would relieve some symptoms but mm-hmm. you were still like a prisoner it's like it really wasn't fixing the problem it was you know mm-hmm. increasing the quality of your life, which was a real blessing instead of being on niastatin or ketoconazole or right. some of these drugs right. that are really detrimental and right. Because I'm
2: doing the candida diet now. And I have to say, I feel better. If people don't know at home what the candida diet is, my friend Amber Roque write that book, The Candida Diet. And uh, I've been following it since January, which is no uh, wheat no dairy, and no sugar. And you do feel better. You feel more clarity, more energy. Obviously, the good side effect is you lose weight. Um, And a lot of people do get uh, rid of a lot of their ailments. I know it's helped people that I know have MS and and other things. But you're saying it wasn't the end-all be-all. You felt like there was something more or better. Right.
0: Because – I started self-medicating with natural substances. No dairy, so you got to have calcium. So I started taking calcium and magnesium. Well, then I started having rheumatoid joint pain. And my thyroid, I had Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. And when you take that calcium and it doesn't go in the right places, Mm -hmm. it'll lower thyroid activity. It'll make your cells where it doesn't absorb nutrients. So it was kind of like a catch-22. You sound
2: like you've investigated this quite thoroughly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I came across hair analysis. What is
2: that hair analysis? It
0: really makes sense to me because it's like if uh, a farmer has a crop Mm -hmm. and the plants aren't so healthy or it's not producing the produce like it should he'll pull a soil test right to figure out what kind of fertilizer or mineral you know to put on it and you know people don't realize you don't put nitrogen on the soil to raise nitrogen in the plant it releases calcium mm-hmm. but you know what do doctors say women you need strong bones take calcium mm-hmm. you know there's this interaction so what you're saying is
2: like a farmer uh, the the hair analysis is kind of like if they were to plant in the soil, so it's in the soil of your skin, your head. You're, you're so you're pulling that to analyze what's going on underneath that. So what's yeah, going on? Yeah, it's like
0: the it 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 shows us the circulating effect of all your. Hormones and minerals and toxins, so mm-hmm. we can draw. Where does one have a hair analysis? That's what that would be like. My first question. Well, I'm a practitioner. Mm-hmm. I have a diploma in nutritional balancing science, and you mm-hmm. can order it online. Right. Print out the forms, and mail your hair in, and then get your program from me. And oh, I see. So this is on your website. Yes. Go healthy next.
2: They could take a hair out. Don't. Don't be pulling my hair out today <laughs> 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 pull it uh, don't be pulling my leg either uh, so we'll pull a piece of hair out and put it in an envelope and mail it to go healthy next and we, you analyze it
0: we send it to a license oh you send lab. it to a lab okay yeah. got it okay then we get the results and you know then we design a program and then we can measure but this right. test the hair analysis it's kind of right. like for the i know this is a women's show but the guys you know if they can you know, relate to a motor. Like if you have a race car team, they want to milk as much horsepower and torque out of that motor. Right. That's caused the motor to burn the fuel the most efficiently. So it's not burning it too fast or doing too slow. Uh-huh. Well, we got a motor inside of us. Right. Our endocrine system is burning our food for cellular energy. Right. And 80% of us tested are burning it too slow. We're like, right. Granny driving the car in six gear going five miles an And it's interesting you said 80% of us. So some
2: people are not affected by needing this uh, regimen, but most people are affected by it. So they take the hair and and you give them an analysis of what's going on from that hair sample inside their body. and, And it tests like what... Does it test uh, what chemicals are in your
0: body, or, or? Well, it tests 21 things. 21, But okay. the most important indicators are ratios. Like, we can tell what's going on with your blood sugar. Mm. We can tell the effect of your circulating thyroid hormone. Right. Uh, your adrenal hormones, you know, all these things. Just by uh, your hair. Just by your hair. That's fascinating. There, there's over 60 different patterns that somebody can have. Mm-hmm. It's almost like measuring how far down the rabbit hole is this person gone. Right. You know they've got this, this trend, this trend. Right. We can measure all these trends, and it's predictive. So, and isn't it
2: interesting? You were sharing with me that your dad didn't have anything. I mean, he was like really healthy, but you had all the and your mom. You and your mom had all these symptoms, uh, and, and you know. So it just one person is like one size
0: doesn't fit all oh we yeah. are so unique yeah so unique and yeah. and we change because like if you go through a lot of stress yes. i mean it's the 21st century you know and mm-hmm. and so we it's can stress there's no stress <laughs> <laughs> so it'll cause your body to dump right. certain minerals you'll yeah. have needs that are different mm-hmm. to be supported you know just based on what's going on in you know your life i mean right. life keeps lifeing. right and the awesome thing about the hair analysis is because I've been on detoxification protocols Mm -hmm. before and people don't realize why do you accumulate all this junk? Mm -hmm. It's like your body has lost the ability because of stress and lack of nutrients and a variety of factors. It can't put the preferred minerals where they need to go. I call them like new car parts. Mm -hmm. So your body at a survival mechanism Mm -hmm. will grab like a magnet heavy metals and toxins out of the environment Mm -hmm. because like lead is really close to calcium Mm -hmm. so when we can't put calcium where it needs to go our body will grab lead well does that cell that has the lead does that work very well right heck no so let me ask you this you
2: get the hair analysis it tells you if your thyroid's you know, working right, if your metabolism's right, all these various things. And then what do you do with that information? Is that what Go Healthy Next does? Yes. Like you've created some products right. that help clear or clean our environment
0: our air and our water is that right because right? our first yeah. line of defense is okay let's start eliminating our exposure that's right. smart yeah and you know i built homes you know look at the chemicals in the building materials right
2: or well, in- you know i know here in um los angeles i lived in a building for 10 years and i had a big sign up that said the materials in this building could cause cancer and i'm like <laughs> really Oh my gosh, they know it. They even put up a sign about it. Like, why would we use those materials? I don't even understand that. And there's nothing you can do because it's on almost every building that's uh, in the area. So, well, yeah.
0: California is a lot more progressive. You know, even the brass plumbing fittings now can't have lead, and there's just all these things that they've, mm-hmm. you know, implemented to help protect. Right. But there's things you can do. I mean, EPA says mm-hmm. that indoor air. Is three to five times more toxic than outdoors, and where do we live? Eighty to ninety percent of our days indoors, right? Right, right. So I created. So did you find that all these
2: th- things that you had—these allergies, the psoriasis, the, the various things you you had, these uh, different diseases—that they were um, not so much food-related as the chemicals in the air, and that's why you invented these various products to get the. The, those those chemicals out of the air, these toxins, I guess I should call them, out of, the, out of your air, out of your water? Is that, well, was that know, the point?
0: We clean the air, we clean the water. It's like taking the straw off the camel's back that's collapsed because right. inside my body I was very toxic right things weren't working so we have to remove the stressors so that's why it's like a synergistic approach Mm -hmm. so let's start breathing pure air because that's our number one risk of exposure we breathe every second right so you created a purifier
2: Yes, and and um, as an inventor, uh, and and because you're an engineer, I take it it was not a, a far stretch for you then to move into being an inventor. But uh, and and you t- we were telling me you, you used to just like dream about these. Uh, um, yeah, what's the word? Uh, you know images the the image image of what it is you saw that needed to be invented which i find very fascinating uh so you saw this purifier and you knew you had to create it i know we have a picture of it um and you just like keep it on your desk and what does that purifier do that other purifiers don't like what is what is it
0: well, it can run on an external battery pack that you plug your laptop or your cell phone into, you know, when yours is dead and you're traveling. Right. So you can use it anywhere. Oh. In my dream I saw a little tiny air purifier sitting on a tray table in an airplane and everybody was coughing and hacking and getting sick, but I wasn't because I had my breathe safe. Yeah. So I had a bigger air purifier and I got a hold of my engineer and said, I want to make a purifier that uses very little power. So it can, you know, yeah. work on this battery and you can take it everywhere. little
2: portable one. Right. And yeah. so it doesn't yeah, have I a fan. Yeah, I saw it in a picture next to the computer so you can get
0: an idea of how tiny it is. Yeah. yeah. And so it uses two watts of power and through a USB. So it can literally, with a wall adapter, work on every voltage in the world. Oh. And then I measured because it doesn't have a fan. It can't pass the CDAR air purifier. So it's really your personal space little you know air purifier and so I measured in a lab because I use it in my sauna because we put ions back into the sauna equation and so I wanted to know how many am I inhaling because there's uh, studies where as long as you inhale like 20,000 ions per cubic centimeter like the size of a sugar cube your sweat volume will double your rectal temperature will go up after you get out of the sauna you won't feel as stressed I mean that's all the reasons why we take a sauna right right and so I did the lab tests, and you're going to inhale three times as many. And then we started doing testing, and it gets rid of the volatile organic compounds that are emitting out of our carpets and our paints and, you know, coming through our ventilation systems. So you should probably sleep with this thing next to you. I do. Yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> and then yeah. because of some of the product reviews that I can't mention because I can't make any medical claims, I sent the device off to get tested again to measure how much oxygen levels were raised.
2: Yeah, oxygen level, I understand, is like, uh, you know, getting more clean oxygen is is like, I've heard people, it's like, makes you high. I mean, it it gives you such, it invigorates you, gives you energy. It's better than any drug. It's wonderful. But we don't get enough oxygen. So in five
0: minutes this little device boosts oxygen 17%. Wow. So then that I knew that that's why it's helping so much. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just lay it on its side. I leave it about a foot from my head while I'm sleeping. I have people that literally carry that with them everywhere they go wow. because it helps them breathe well wow, I can see you're on your first date well what is that
2: <laughs> <laughs> so it's just oh never mind it's just my oxygen uh anyway uh so other than the oxygen purifier you also have a sauna that you've created yeah it, it looks like a portable sauna that you get inside or something yeah I, it's I know like, I have a
0: picture of it Excuse, what, explain that to me When you do hair analysis, your body naturally detoxifies. And, you know, people go through detox reactions. Well, I can feel like superwoman Well, I'm detoxing in my near-infrared sauna, and that is huge. There's three types of saunas. And when I was being trained for using hair analysis, I was told that near-infrared was best. And so I did all the studies. There's like 13 technical reasons why. It's like phototherapy and light travels at the speed of light. So I created an enclosure that those healing rays just rebombard your body. So you're sweating faster. The ambient air temperature isn't as hot. It's all portable, Mm because I was building saunas for Mm -hmm. people that I knew that had cancer and all this kind of stuff. And I just said, man, we got to take this good idea and make it better, more usable. Mm -hmm. So I created this sauna fix, because you got to get your daily sauna fix. Mm -hmm. And it's a light fixture that's lightweight. It's only 12 pounds that hangs in this tent that you can assemble without tools in 10 minutes. Uh And you can use your little breeze safe to double your sweat volume and you can you know now now tell me all the different ailments that you had that these practices got rid of Um, I was what you call a universal reactor in that I became allergic to everything and that's all kinds of cleaning chemicals and you know uh, pets. Pets too you know strangely enough I was never allergic to pets or pollens but it was all any chemical chemical and foods Oh my foods. gosh! I had to do the the pulse test to figure out what I was allergic to, and then not eat the foods within seventy-two hours. And now hours. you can pretty much eat whatever you
2: want, yeah, just
0: because you're doing
2: these practices of the oxygen, uh, the purifier, the sauna. And then one other thing you told me about, the third one is- uh,
0: Drinking ozonated water. Ozonated water. You know, people think ozone is bad, you know, it's, you know, pollution, Mm -hmm. but it's really three singlets of oxygen. And if you make it and take it out of a gas state and convert it to liquid and water and drink it, it's like that O1 breaks off and purifies the water. We're 70% water, right? And then O2. It boosts our oxygen levels so we can... Again, boosting oxygen. Yeah, Yeah, so we can function. It takes a molecule of oxygen to detoxify. So all these people on these detox diets, they don't remove the reason why their body had to use that junkyard part to survive, and then they don't have enough oxygen. Right. And so it's like a You must have a lot of energy now. All this oxygen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just don't drink ozonated water before going to bed. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) And you have a little uh, something that they purchased that they can oxygenate their water? Yes. It's
0: it's an ozone generator that has a tube that diffuses the gas into the water and I have several more inventions on the way on the way molds being made so stay tuned huh yeah (laughs) so
2: go healthy next uh is behind uh all of these products that you invent um and people that are are feeling have everything from allergies to uh like we said skin things like psoriasis or
0: um Hashimoto's hypothyroidism all of these things you Uh, That
2: this may be an answer to that. And isn't that a wonderful thing? That's why I like to put out. Not only is it a woman inventor, which I'm all about, uh, <laughs> but that uh, you know people are looking for ways to make themselves feel healthier and feel better. I mean, the only way to accomplish our dreams is to feel uh, like we are a hundred percent feeling and energetic and That's have right. clarity. And so, uh, if we're not eating the right things or having the right uh, environment around us, and I understand that some people are more sensitive to their environment than others, and you. Have to be one of those people so these could be the answer to helping some people live uh, a healthier happier better more energetic life
0: and isn't that a wonderful thing and this is what i'm about yeah creating things that are easy to use Mm -hmm. that you can take with you because you know we're not always in one place we can't live in a bubble right and that reduces our exposure cause that's gonna take the straws off the camel's back. And then no matter whether we're eating organic food or being the most careful that we can, we are living in a toxic world and we need to detoxify continually. Right. So I have these awesome products that actually make you feel good while you're doing it. To detoxify, and then we gotta have the right minerals because yeah. minerals are like the spark plugs of life. Right. So when we can have those in our, I love your analogies. <laughs> then you know we yeah. we can feel like. A superwoman you know yeah. I'm, I'm 54 I feel better I've been sick my whole life I feel better than I did when I was in my 20s that's awesome and That's just- I, I
2: hope we help a lot of people by telling them about your journey and your products and uh, and just making them uh, educating them about that there, there are um, things out there that might be able to help them uh, live a healthier better life so thank you for all you're doing I think it's awesome that you're helping empower women and all people that you know, are, are wanting to uh, feel better. So, thank you so much. You're mm-hmm. an amazing
0: woman. Well, thank yeah. you for thank- doing your show because oh, thanks. this is just what you're <laughs> meant to do. <laughs> that I love.
2: All right, we will be right back with Mandy Stern. Stay tuned.
0: The Live, Love, Thrive radio show is produced by 360 com Are you a
1: 360 karma woman? If so, spread the word. be sure to follow us on social media at 360 Karma women on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. please like us and share us with family and friends. this is the year of the woman and we are stronger together. the Live Love Thrive program is brought to you in part by Honda of downtown Los Angeles
2: supporting the equality and empowerment of women, And we are back with Mandy Stern. Hello, Mandy. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? Good. Um, I uh, think that what you're doing is really incredible because I know you're helping uh, a lot of kids, and we all love children and uh, it must be really rewarding to be working in this niche where you are doing something that makes such a difference to especially underprivileged kids. Absolutely. So we're gonna talk about that, but first we're gonna talk about your journey to where we are today with working on helping kids. Um, So I know your background was you started on, your family grew up on the uh, East Coast, Mm -hmm. but uh, shortly thereafter, you you told me your parents were hippies of the '60s, and uh, ended up uh, they moved the family out to New Mexico, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So
1: they, you know, they their whole family um, and everyone before them was from New York and Boston. Um, and well, big city people, big city slickers, yeah. absolutely. And then when the '60s hit, uh, they were in their 20s and 30s, and they decided, well, you know, why don't we, you know, branch out from what we've done and yeah. um, let's go explore. So they went to New Mexico, and for the first time, they saw large expanses of land, big mm-hmm. blue skies, no one's living mm-hmm. in a building. There's lots yeah. of land uh, and trees. And my father decided, well, why don't we have? Why don't we stay here? Yeah. Um, he was already a doctor in the now, army. How old Reserves. were you when you moved there? Well, I wasn't around yet. Oh, um, you were. Oh, okay. So I wasn't around, around yet. yet. Right. So my parents came out as a, a young couple, uh, and my dad was a doctor in the army reserve. Um, and he uh, decided that it was just a great place to stay. My mother had some reservations because it was a, a very exotic place. No pun place. intended. Reservations. Yeah, that's in, right. That's exactly in New right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they—they uh, definitely—it um, was sort of out of their element. Yeah. And most of their family members back east said, "You know, what are you guys cowboys? You know, why are you yeah. over there?" And my mom, um, I think, it, it was probably like the Wild West. Pretty it it mu- was, yeah, and yeah. it still is in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, in a
2: lot of ways it is, yeah. but
1: very different from you know the cement uh, jungle. the urban jungle of New York and Boston, um, you know, 50, 60 years ago, most of the signs were in Spanish um, yeah. in New Mexico. Um, a lot of the roads weren't paved. Right. You know, Albuquerque was pretty pretty well developed. My yeah. parents actually lived in a place uh, that was a little more rural called Corrales, which is sort of near Santa Fe. Okay. Um, but, you know, they adapted well. And over time, the, the ironic thing is, is a lot of the family members who shunned them for moving out and becoming cowboys ended up coming as well and, and building their families. And they were oh. younger than my parents. But um, so, yeah, that that started the whole uh, genesis of uh, coming to so a place. So you were born there? I was born there, yes. Ah, I, my, okay. my twin sister and I were born there. Um, and, of course, all of our cousins, though, are on the East Coast. And yeah. I remember when my sister and I went back East for the first time, we, I said to my grandma, I said, Grandma, why do you live in a building? Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it was so foreign to me. In New Mexico, right. of course, there's large expanses of land. So
2: you were really used to just nature and yes. wide
1: open space and and dust and, yeah. and and being outside a lot because the weather's very forgiving yeah. in New Mexico compared now, to Mexico. it must have
2: been very mm-hmm. interesting for a Jewish family to move right. into New Mexico at that time right. which was mostly Hispanic, right? Yes and, and, and a lot Native of immigrants, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, from Mexico. Right. Yeah. And so yeah, that had to have been culturally. Interesting. It sure were you was. the only Jewish kid in the school, or?
1: Well, we went to a private school. There yeah. were more of a following of people who had come from the East Coast. Oh. Um, so there were some Jewish people there, but yeah. as a whole in New Mexico, yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's a pretty weird. Yeah, you thing. were kind
2: of a fish out of water. Yeah. We were exactly, yeah.
1: and my parents felt that way as well. Yeah. Although we weren't. Particularly a religious family, um, right. they still felt that uh, you know there Jewish people are relatively far and few between. Yeah. Um, and and now even when I tell people in L.A. or New York, I say, uh, you know, I grew up in New Mexico. They say, what? Were you like the only <laughs> Jew in New Mexico? And I say,
2: that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what people think. And, and there's a
1: few of us, but really not many of us at all. So, right. How yeah.
2: interesting. Right. What an interesting upbringing. And so uh, your dad was a doctor, and he helped. I know you said he helped a lot of underprivileged kids, like. Uh, he, and he families performed, general, right. uh, uh, performed some surgeries. Mm-hmm. You were telling me about some kids that couldn't walk or whatever, and he'd work on them and so they could walk. And then, you know, where they used to kind of be a little leery of the, you know, white Western people, medicine. Western medicine people, mm-hmm. you know, uh, they come to embrace him because he was helping them. Exactly, and he. Which is kind of. It cool. was very rewarding for him as well too, because yes. you know he grew up in the Lower East
1: Side of Manhattan, and when he came out to New Mexico, uh, it was his first exposure um, with Native Americans, the Navajo uh, tribe. Uh, there were people who had never been in a car. There were people who really lived in very remote areas of New Mexico, where I believe uh, most um, non-Native American people were not even allowed. Um, right. But but over time, he gained the trust of these mm-hmm. groups of people. So he would who, go to the reservations. He would go to the reservations, yeah. and these are people who couldn't walk or people. Who who had tremendously debilitating back pain or children who had scoliosis you know where their their back is so curved that they can't walk um and he gained their trust and he would go out there and he would come home and tell us these stories about, you know, this culture that was so different from him. Right. Um, and how uh, and he would write down on his little matchbook, you know, different words that in Navajo, because it's a, it's a right. very obscure language. Right. Um, Spanish was relatively easy for him to pick up. Right. Um, it's a lot more, of course, like. And you um, speak both, obviously, in I your speak, work today. Um, yeah, yeah. I speak Spanish uh, almost on a daily basis. I yeah. do. Um, and. But, but of course, Navajo, uh, the Navajo language is very different and, um, you know, nothing he could really ever master. But he right. definitely knew some choice words. Uh, but, yeah, he had um, – I didn't even know they had their own language. They absolutely do. Yeah, As a matter of fact, they have um, – there's something called the Code Talkers. Yeah. Do you know the Code Talkers? You know what that is? No. So if I I think I'm going to get this correct, uh, but in World War II, yeah. when when we were trying when the Americans were trying to decipher some of the codes from the um, access of Evil, yeah. they brought in people who spoke Navajo oh. because they had some sort of understanding um, of the nuances of coding or something hmm. like that. So they they call them code talkers and. The one of the oldest ones just finally died, but it's an interesting That's story. It's a very obscure language, and they're trying to revive it because they feel like there's it's sort of dying out.
2: Oh. Um, it's so rare. So then growing up there, mm-hmm. uh, you stayed there until you were how old. until I was about eighteen till you were mm-hmm. eighteen. And they stayed. They stayed, they stayed there. there. They yeah. did.
1: Um, they made a life for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they were philanthropists, and they enjoyed supporting uh, chamber music and mm-hmm. the arts. Um, and as a matter of fact, even though they were amateur um, string players, every Sunday they would have quartets, string quartets, mm-hmm. um, and they enjoyed that. But they also supported uh, the New Mexico Symphony and the Santa Fe Opera, which is right. um, pretty famous. But So from mm-hmm. there, you went yeah. on to Harvard. Or right. to Smith College. First or, I went to Smith College, yeah. right? So they made it clear that even though they wanted uh, to have a lifestyle and live in the West, they they very much wanted us to have our education on the East. Um, right. Not and that And did are your sister go to Smith with you? or she, she did. She went to yeah. Smith as well. I never saw her, though. We had completely different circles. But uh, then I went on to Harvard uh, to get a graduate degree in psychology and education. How fabulous.
2: Yeah, it was very interesting, um, very exciting work. And Was that um, a great experience, being at Harvard? I mean, wonderful. it's such a... Uh, Honor to to be at such a fabulous school.
1: I felt that yeah. I, you know, what I love is when you walk around the campus of Harvard, you just feel the history. You yeah. feel that there's been, you know, 400 years of intelligent, or at least you know, people who are very much interested in learning and respect mm-hmm. the whole institution of learning. Uh, the buildings are beautiful. Um, Cambridge itself is a wonderful place. Harvard Square is one mm-hmm. of my favorite places. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the libraries are just so gigantic, and the the vast amount of things you can learn by being enrolled as a student at Harvard, uh, not to mention the diversity Mm -hmm. um, of people that they have uh, from all over the world and, you know, different walks of life, but.
2: It's so interesting mm -hmm. uh, coming from a life of privilege, you know, and having attended Harvard that Mm -hmm. you would uh, be working with underprivileged kids, but really it goes back to your roots of what your dad did and what you grew up around, what you saw. I I remember you telling me a cute story about uh, your dad, you had bought some. New clothes, and your dad came in and said, "I want to give some of these clothes to some kids because they need them for the cold." And right, were, he had,
1: <laughs> my parents had and a you lot were
2: of like not happy about <laughs> that.
1: Right. <but> I mean, <laughs> in my thirteen-year-old uh, logic, I thought it wasn't fair they was taking my new clothes. But yeah, my parents were very um, respectful and. Um, uh, very charitable to wanting to help um, mm-hmm. some of the native uh, New Mexicans mm-hmm. um, a lot you know we my sister and I were raised by a good number of, of spanish-speaking um, uh, w- you know, women um, but yes there was one incident where my dad was rifling through my clothes in my closet one night and I said dad what are you doing he said well I know you just got some new warm ski clothes and there's a nurse in the operating room um, and she's you know she has no money she has several kids and she says that she her kids can't stay warm so would you mind if I took some of these clothes <laughs> and gave them to her and of course Aww. I wasn't but I got over (laughs) I'm glad that he was able to, you know, good-hearted guy, right? Exactly.
2: And so, uh, you know, in life, we all have these uh, major things that happen throughout our life that are define that define who we are. And uh, I know you shared with me that you lost your parents at a young age. You were 30. Yes. Yeah. And so, do you want to share that with us?
1: Um, I can share certain aspects of that. Sure. 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 Yeah. um, You know, they. They had built a life for themselves. Um, one thing is, New Mexico can be very um, isolating. Right. Um, and uh, unfortunately, you know, my dad had a long standing career um, mm-hmm. of being a surgeon, and I think sometimes when one retires, they have the inertia right. and they don't know what to do with themselves. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, he and my mom, you know, they had a lot of fights. Um, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, my dad was a gun collector, mm-hmm. which uh, was an unfortunate hobby. But, you know, he was a very intelligent guy. And so he he just really respected it as a machine. And that's the way he would tell us every time we would raise, right. um, you know, fear. We'd say, you know, you really shouldn't have that. You and right. mom have fights. Like, everyone has fights. right? But it's probably something that should not be in the home. Right. And he'd say, you know what, Mandy, I understand what you're saying. But these are these amazing tools, you know. Yeah. Um, just like when I did surgery and I could operate these amazing um, – um, burrs and, and drills and, and that's why I like this and I really respect just right. the art of it um, but unfortunately they had a very bad fight and I there was a gun you know on the ready and unfortunately he shot my mom killed her
2: and then oh killed himself oh my goodness so I mean yeah, yeah. and you were 30 at I was the 30 time. right I can't imagine getting that call. I mean,
1: right? It, it was difficult. You yeah. know, I, before I became a child psychologist, I was uh, a sixth grade teacher um, mm-hmm. in Pacific Palisades here, mm-hmm. and um, a sheriff showed up in my classroom. Oh my god! And gosh. I thought, did I do something? Was it a yeah. speeding ticket? Yeah. Did I, yeah. you know, run off with something by accident from a store? And um, they took me to my to the principal's home out of respect to tell me about what had happened. And they said we got a call from New Mexico. Um, and apparently, you know, your your dad, um, it, it looks like your dad may have shot your mom and then killed himself. And, of course, you know, you hear something like that and you're just, you know, you keep asking, really? Are you yeah. sure? And I kept yeah. saying their names. Like, is this really?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I could imagine it was just surreal. Yeah. It was surreal. Like, how it really do you, was. How it do you still even, is. I mean, yeah. I still can't. It's sure. Yeah. I still
1: cannot believe it. And sometimes I say to my sister who's on the East Coast, I say, can you, can you really believe that that happened? I mean, isn't that just? Yeah. I mean,
2: and that was, uh, you know, 14
1: years ago. Do
2: you think it's all your work in psychology that's helped you to deal with that? It has,
1: definitely, because I um, am a very understanding person. At first, I had a tremendous amount of anger towards my father for right. doing this. Right, um, but, but you I, sound like you were very close. We were very close, indeed. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely Both my sister and I identified with my father, his work ethic, um, yes. wanting to help people, wanting yes. to help underprivileged people, learning Spanish. He loved the language, right. I loved the language. We right. used to speak Spanish together. Yeah, you're
2: definitely carrying on his legacy. Right, yeah. for
1: sure. Um, and so it was very hard for me to separate um, that unfortunate horrible incident of course in 2002 with the man that i knew him to be yes um and of course so the anger was tremendous uh for ha- for that having happened and then of course having to explain to a huge um mass of people in new mexico um you know he was a he was a well-renowned surgeon right. um, he was one of the few people who did this specific operation where you um synthesize uh, two vertebrae oh, um and yeah. so he was known for that it was a very you know Difficult uh, technical surgery. But, you know, so over the years, they had been there for about 35 years. They had a number of, you know, people and friends. Right. Um, so having to explain, you know, to all those people what exactly happened um, and to at the same time not villainize my father right. because I understood. I mean, apart from the anger and the hurt of my mom being, you know, v- murdered, um, there's a part of me that understands that. You know, there's a number of factors and there was a recipe for disaster, you know, right, that, there, right. that he was um, mentally, increasingly mentally ill, I think, from having
2: no longer having his calling. So now retired. would you be one of those advocates that would say we shouldn't have guns?
1: You know, I think that mental illness is a huge part. I do mm-hmm. think that, in general, um, and I, I know I do believe this statistic is true—that when you have a gun or a firearm in your house, you're far more likely to die. Yes. Um, and I think that that's true. Yes. However, I think that
2: the biggest because uh, we that do really, have more murders in this country than anywhere else. Right. And we have more guns than anywhere else. It's kind of right. It seems like they're related. At least, uh, when I've seen Michael mm-hmm. Moore's uh, bowling, for, uh, uh-huh. yeah, bowling for Columbine, yeah, Bowling for Columbine that that statistic is true exactly what you just said you know right yeah it, you're just in the, far the house more likely to die, likely to die right. from that and yeah
1: right okay exactly so that that in and of itself um is a, is a scary statistic but the big thing is is that mental illness um and yes, and a, 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 a loss of you know a compass a moral so you compass.
2: think a person that is mentally ill should not have access to guns which is something that was just passed i know I mean, I do that think they can. that. I yeah. do think
1: that, but that's not going to control a problem because there's people who are um, maybe not clinically mentally ill, but they have gotcha. a moment of rage. Gotcha. You know, there's, yes, there's plenty absolutely. of people out there. We've all done that's, things when uh, we're say, mad. That's we kick the door. Everybody. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it shouldn't be handy. No, yeah. it shouldn't be handy. Um, and yeah. So it's
2: unfortunate that that had to be um, so accessible. What did you do with uh, your grief of all that? Do you feel like? Uh, you take that into your work to help people, like because everything mm-hmm. you do right now, the the test Pro that you've mm-hmm. created is about helping people. Mm-hmm. Is that your healing?
1: You know, um, my sister and I, I think, definitely feel alone on the family front. You know, we still young, we're still young enough where most people have their parents. Yes, um, we miss them terribly, and I think that for both of us, one. Uh, one way we have sort of persevered through this is to imme- to immerse ourselves in our work mm-hmm. um, and your sister is equally She's pretty amazing. Uh, successful yes, as you is, are. She's um, one of the publishers of Random House, actually, right. for oh Crown. Gosh. And so she just, as a matter of fact, just uh, the other day obtained the Obama book. And she herself is going to do the writing and editing with Michelle Obama. Oh, my so, gosh. That is amazing. So I was very impressed. You, so, you are both <laughs> incredible. Yeah. And I just only wish that my parents were around around to see this. Yes. But and um, but and yet we
2: know where they are. I don't have my parents either. Mm-hmm. And yet we do know they're here. Right. I, Would I, you agree? Sometimes I, I, I feel think that. that sometimes way. I feel yeah. that. Especially when it first happened. Yeah, I felt like, you know, they must be around, you know. Sure. And
1: I felt that my dad was sort of um, silently apologizing for what happened and wanting, wanting to say, you know, it was, it was a terrible mistake, and I, I'm not a mistake, but I was enraged, mm-hmm. and I really regret that, and sort of,
2: I've accepted that he said that to me, even though of course he didn't really say that to me, right? But, but you feel that he did. I do. I, I, I do. do believe their spirits yeah. visit, um, mm-hmm. and it is that is one thing to comfort us, but I do understand what you mean about not, as human beings, we do like to have them physically here. Yes, but. There is some comfort in knowing their spirits are here. I mean right. we all just are spirits in a human body. So. Exactly.
1: So I, yeah. I love to think that, you know, my parents would be incredibly proud of both of us, my sister with, yeah. you know, her high job back east, of course. She yeah. she did not want to continue living yeah. in New Mexico. Um I miss New Mexico, yeah. but I wanted to move to some place that I felt was a little more um Developed for lack of a better word, but mm-hmm. you know, LA is a lot more metropolitan than anything in New Mexico. But New Mexico is absolutely pristine and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, to answer the question, I think that um, you know, g- immersing myself in um, you know, learning about assessment, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that um, I do with children. Um, what my job is is really to be sort of like a forensic. Um, scientist in a way, and to you know, a, a, a problem is is brought forth to me
2: um, about a particular child. Let's mm-hmm. say the child is um, incredibly hyperactive. And this is what Test Pro is all about. Is all about is, is about uh, you go in and help kids mm-hmm. in the schools be assessed, right, to see if they are uh, viable to be able to uh, have certain services, special services. That's right. And you assess that, whether it be mm-hmm. IQ or mm-hmm. some physical disability. Um, that otherwise might not be detected. Exactly. So a lot of people, when you hear special ed, they immediately
1: think of the most um, vis- visually apparent uh, special needs, which is people in a wheelchair, or they right. think about uh, people who are, um, you know, who can't talk. But. Uh, learning disabilities are actually very subtle. And there's right. a lot of people that, friends we have, who probably have learning disabilities, right. and It could in be school, dyslexia included, but, or, or something like so that. Absolutely, so it's not necessarily yeah. um, so visually apparent. Um, so there's a, there's a number of children, especially children from um, Spanish-only speaking families, who are denied services or denied the right to have an evaluation uh, because it's felt that, well, maybe it's just because they don't speak English well. So um, what happens is they, the school districts will sometimes bring me in, which is um, a good thing that they do, to try to assess some of these children that might otherwise be overlooked. Mm-hmm. So for example, I get a child who, who at home only speaks Spanish, but at school speaks a lot of English, which is mm-hmm. usually the case, um, and then I can test them for their general overall intelligence. Mm-hmm. I, can attest, I can test whether they're better at um, English versus Spanish, or if they're equally bad in both of those domains, mm-hmm. uh, which might suggest a language disorder. Um, I can see if they might have social, emotional problems, whether it's depression or um, anxiety. I can see if they have autism, you know, if there's a suggestion Mm -hmm. that maybe um, they are detached a little bit from their environment. They Mm -hmm. might be
2: on the autism spectrum. Right. So a lot Um, of people don't know they even have an autistic child until you've diagnosed it. Right. And then one Mm -hmm. thing you were telling me that I found fascinating Uh was that you were saying that people – are uh, given an iq test Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and that it tends to be geared toward the white culture and so an african-american child or a hispanic child may not uh, do as well on the iq test simply because the word might be being used different in one culture than in another and yet that kid might be smart but it might be showing that the iq wasn't and that you Step in and are able to test the IQ in other various ways right. to really determine the accuracy. Exactly. So, with, with accuracy. Right. So,
1: there's a yeah. lot of tests out there. The more traditional ones, the more traditional IQ tests, um, were um, originally based upon the data they gathered for white middle-class kids. Mm-hmm. So when you take that test and you apply it to um, non-middle-class uh, white kids, so Hispanic kids who might not be, who might come from a, poor, a more Like impoverished you told background. me one example was yeah. like
2: a word. Right, and I'll get with the word exactly.
1: exactly. Yeah. So y- there's a bias there. So then um, if you come across the vocabulary section, which most um, traditional IQ tests have, and mm-hmm. I say, well, what does the word saucer mean? Well, you know, uh, So a white middle class kid might say, oh, that's the plate that's under a little mug. But a, a kid from another culture might say a saucer. You mean like a flying saucer? Yeah. And so I would feel that that's a real bias if I were to mark that kid down and give them a zero, so then their IQ score is reported as lower. Right. When that's a cultural bias. Right. So what I that do? That makes perfect sense. It does, and yeah. it's it's an unfortunate. I mean, all tests have biases basically, yeah. but I find that there's other IQ tests out there that are more amenable and more sensitive mm-hmm. to these cultural differences. So, for example, you can do an equally valid measure of intelligence called a nonverbal IQ. test Mm -hmm. and all that means is I'm not going to be asking them vocabulary I'm not going to be asking them to um, use their verbal intelligence for example tell me how is an insect uh, or how's a bee and a bird alike so that would be an, a measure of verbal intelligence. Mm-hmm. Instead, for nonverbal, I might show patterns and shapes, and I'll mm-hmm. say, okay, so how is this one similar to this one? Right. And then find this one, and how would it go with one of these? And so they're using a right. different type of intelligence, but it is still problem-solving. Right. And so I am uh, much more comfortable reporting an intelligent quotient from, say, a nonverbal measure yes. with a child who comes from a, a culturally diverse background. And the, the families and the parents are, are immensely grateful because they feel like I'm getting a measure that is uh, more More accurate accurate and more fair and it doesn't pigeonhole them because they didn't know what saucer meant. So
2: sometimes you're telling the family oh your child has a higher IQ than was originally diagnosed or uh, you're saying oh we've come to find out your child is dyslexic and needs to get this special service so you're helping them get the services that they need for their disability. Right. Right. That's a beautiful thing. You definitely are carrying on the legacy. Yes, I am. Yeah. So your dad was helping the underprivileged. You continue to do that. I think that's a beautiful thing. Thank you. And, uh, you know, it's always good when people can take uh, their challenges and put them into something positive. And that's exactly what you're doing. And I think that's awesome. Well, thank you. Another amazing woman doing another amazing thing to make the world a better place. Mm, I try. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. And we will, uh, if you want to know about Mandy's program, uh, it is called uh, ntestpro.com. You can visit that. And uh, we will be back here on UBN next week, same time, same place, Wednesdays at noon. You can also catch us, of course, on YouTube, uh, iHeartRadio, iTunes. And please visit us uh, on three, at 360 Karma Women on Facebook. Make it a great day. Hugs and happiness we mm-hmm.